even doing testing on conversion rate optimization. All those things can ladder up into a, their small percentage gains potentially on a day-by-day or month-by-month basis, but they can spell out enormous growth all over the course of a year or two. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, Ben Dutter, on the podcast here. Ben joins us from Power Digital, you know, where he is SVP of strategy. You know, this is actually our second episode with Power Digital. We had their CEO, Grayson, on I think about a year ago now, but Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, happy to be here and super excited. Long time fan of the product and the platform, and we have a lot of clients in common, so excited to dig in. Great. Yeah. So the last few months, we've gotten pretty deep into marketing measurement. We had an episode with, you know, with Hi Bobby, which is an infant formula company that went through, you know, an extreme supply shortage where they actually had to go so far as unpacking one channel and one of their marketing strategies at a time until they got to a point where they understood what was going on. You know, we had transparent partners and their their, their CEO on to talk about clean rooms. You know, you recorded a um, uh, an episode recently with Michael Kaminsky from Recast, where we talked about yeah, yeah, marketing mixture models, you know, and some of the uh, the cool statistical modeling that he does with his business. But you know, I think there, there, there are a few people who are more knowledgeable than Ben is, you know, around you know, really thinking about understanding marketing measurement, you know, in particular moving beyond the last click. And look, one of the big challenges that we see in today's macro you know, is, is budgets are under extreme scrutiny. And it's tremendously easy just to just look back at your Google Analytics and your Meta or your Facebook ads and say, hey, you know, I can measure my last click attribution uh, and I'm just going to do that, but nothing else. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, one of the big opportunities uh, and one of the big challenges that everyone faces is, look, the goal here is to drive a sustainable brand. You know, and while that strategy may work you know, marvelously for the next quarter, you know, it's not going to sustain as you think about the customer life cycle and brand building and everything else that's required, you know, to build to build a presence and actually to you know to, to affect you know a conversion machine that does more than just get people uh, and captures intent at that last possible moment. Yeah. So you know, today we'll be diving into just that. You know, ben and I were catching up a couple months back, and we were uh, really just asking, you know, what are best practices around you know thinking about you know, marketing funnels. And your customer lifecycle, you know, in you know, you know, end to end, and what are the strategies behind that, and how to think about uh, about those strategies, and just as importantly, how to measure them. So Ben, maybe you can sort of just you know, speak to the topic at a high level, and then we'll you know, get into you know, some methodologies and uh, some techniques that you evangelize. Yeah, for sure, and great contextual tee up there. I think you know, the whole point of measurement of any kind, whether it's in marketing or or not, is to figure out what's working and what's not working. And I love that classic John Wanamaker quote from the 1800s or early 1900s, where he's like, I know half of my advertising dollars are wasted. I just don't know which half. And that's always been the promise of attribution, right? And of measurement and marketing science is we're determining where there's opportunity. Maybe we are undervaluing something and we're determining where there is waste, where we're overvaluing something. And that process of identification and measurement and optimization is what makes a more effective marketing program. And that has really become 
part and parcel of the digital ecosystem with attribution tools. And you have simple ones like you mentioned, Google Analytics. You have all the platforms like Meta Ads and Google Ads, et cetera, that are measuring their own off of some kind of pixel. And all of that has become so common and so accustomed that people really have trusted that. And then iOS 14 happened. And I don't need to rehash all of that, but it's going to continue to get harder and harder to track users, new cold users at a deterministic level. And what I mean by that is individual level. And so there's really these kind of frameworks you have to create now as a modern growth marketer or as a a modern uh, marketing scientist that allow you to determine where there is opportunity and where there is waste. And you can't just trust a tool to do it for you anymore. And uh, you had mentioned uh, the guys over at Recast, big fan of their product. And you know, I think media mix modeling is one of those solutions. But my whole approach and recommended uh, style for most of our clients is what we call triangulation. So it's a combination of multiple modalities and methodologies of measurement that if they all tell a similar story, a similar direction, they're within a couple of percentage points or what have you off of each other, that's likely very close to the truth. If they start to disagree with each other, you've got something wrong in your measurement protocol. There's some data collection that's not happening. There's some scientific principle you're not following. Something is wrong. And so for us, it's about how do you establish this kind of experiment-led scientific approach to measurement that's a little bit harder to execute on? You can't just turn on the platform and tell it to go, but that actually reveals a lot more of true value to the brand. And we love the saying at Power, uh, we care about contribution, not attribution, because ultimately we want the marketing to contribute incrementally to the business rather than just we're assigning credit to it some arbitrary or technological pathway. So that's at the high level. You know, We care ultimately about what's going to get you the best ROI on your marketing yeah. dollars. It's funny. And yeah, I always I always joke that you know, in marketing land, there are two sets of numbers. There's the attribution numbers, which at the end of the day, play a, a huge role in understanding budget and justifying spend. And then there's you know, numbers that are much more causal or contribution numbers, as you call them, which really seek the truth, you know, you know, which is if I didn't spend these dollars, what would be the effect you know, of, you know, to my revenue uh, and to my profits? And you know, it's a very different question on a very different set of methodologies. You know, and oftentimes with standard you know, understood attribution methods, they're going to be biased. You know, they're not going to tell the full story. But you know, for many brands and for many businesses, it is what is used you know, to figure out budgets and to figure out allocations and figure out team sizes and headcounts. So you know, there's a lot of complexity within that. And it's, it's, it's important to disambiguate you know, the two. But obviously today, we were focusing on t- contribution, on just trying to get to, the, get to the truth. And so maybe we can, you know, you can talk a few, about a few examples around this notion of the the old versus the new moving from attribution to contribution, you know, and it sort of requires a different way of thinking. Take take us through some you know, real world examples here. Yeah, for sure. So one example, we have a, a an app client who they have a a free version and a premium version. They're a freemium business model, very typical. And they were able to get a lot of people to sign up for the free version millions and millions of people, um, but they struggled at converting those people from free to paid. And part of the problem was they didn't have a clean experimentation testing roadmap, and they didn't really know who was their customer that would actually sign up for a 
a paid version. They didn't have a clear understanding of, of who that was. And so we needed to test into that from a media mix standpoint, from a creative standpoint. And so the whole methodology, they were very, um, you know, technologically attribution driven before where they were assigning credit. And I don't know if you're familiar, Jason, that much in the app space, but with like MMPs like Apps Flyer and, and Kochava and Branch, et cetera, there's a lot of even additional obscurity in attribution than there is on like a D2C website or something like Google Analytics. So it was even more opaque for them uh, to, to get to the right answer. And so we started doing uh, what we call MMTs or matched market tests. And they're an experiment where you identify predictive market clusters that are similar to each other, geographically, demographically, and performance-wise, historically for that brand. And so we did this for this app client and identified a bunch of different markets that all were predictive of each other. And you start introducing different media mixes or different creative examples or different channels into test markets and you don't do it into some control markets. And we came to some pretty profound conclusions of some channels that they had ascribed a lot of value to were actually not contributing hardly anything at all to the paid space. And there was some that that were kind of like moonshot, small rinky-dink budgets that actually were hugely incremental. And so now they've completely flip-flopped over the past 12 months of us working through them with that. And they just had their best month ever was January of, of 2023. They're on track to have their best quarter ever of this year. Um, you know, They're just thrilled with the, the way that we've been able to unlock that incrementality out of their marketing mix. And that's really what it's all about. So for us in that example, we did match market tests. There's other experiment-led measurement you can do that doesn't require geotesting, but that is a, a clean and, and applicable version of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love the notion of using experimentation as a point of calibration. Uh, you know, at Simon, you know, we have you know, relatively robust experimentation capabilities, but they're all limited to one-to-one, uh, one-to-one messaging and one-to-one marketing. You know, the example you described there is super interesting in that if you have a set of markets, let's withhold your know, radio advertising across a few channels, let's withhold out of home across a few other markets, let's do it in a randomized way, and let's look at the response. And you know, the math behind it can get complex, but intuitively it makes it makes sense. You look at the markets that you know, didn't have radio versus those that did, and you know, and see how much better do they perform on average relative to how we would have expected it to perform. You know, and based off of that, you can get a sense of you know, what the contribution is, which is exactly the question that we're asking asking here. You know, and then you know, you don't necessarily have to run that experiment for a while. I mean, if you trust that you know this is how the world will work for the next one two years. You know, you can then double down on those strategies. You know, and of course, you know, the, the world changes and, you know, channels evolve A new billboard placements come and the MTA in New York City opens up, you know, do digital ads, you know, in subway cars. So then you have to question some of your assumptions, you know, but that point of, of using experimentation as, as calibration is incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. We, we love to follow. I'm a big fan of acronyms, if you can't tell, but love to follow an acronym we call BEATS, B-E-A-T-S. And it stands for business KPIs, experiment KPIs analysis, technology, and surveys. And in that order, those five things constitute a comprehensive measurement framework. If you're not looking at all five of those things, then you're missing something potentially. And if all five of those things tell a similar story, then you're on the right track. And so, for example, if the total business is trending in the right direction, that and my marketing is saying it's getting worse, something's off there. But if my marketing is saying it's going great and my business is trending down, well, then that's we're getting cannibalization somewhere is happening and we're having waste and something is off with our tracking. 
And experimentation that E is the most important part. And that's what we're talking about today because it sort of informs the, the back half of the acronym of that, that methodology. Whatever you input into it is the kind of the quality that you're going to get out of it. So whether it's a geo test, whether it is a holdout test with like a CDP where you're holding out certain groups of people and exposing other groups of people in email, for example, even doing testing on conversion rate optimization, all those things can ladder up into a, you know, they're small percentage gains potentially on a day by day or month by month basis, but they can spell out enormous growth over the course of a year or two. Uh, Yep. No, hundred percent. And maybe we can talk about just general measurement challenges. Yeah. I mean, out of home radio is completely different than one-to-one marketing. You know, acquisition, you know, you know, targeting has its own challenges with the walled gardens of Meta, yeah, and, and Google. You know, I know it's a big question, but you know, certainly for you know our listeners who are trying to think about how to get their head around that, what's your framework around measurement, you know, just in terms of what what actually happened and what do people actually see? Yeah, totally. We like to look at a a top-down approach and a bottoms-up approach simultaneously. So I'll I'll spell out what that means. Top-down would be again that business level KPI. So many of our clients are in the e-commerce space. They care heavily about acquisition. So let's focus on that for a moment. They need to hit a certain CAC, the customer acquisition cost to be profitable. They know they have the math. Maybe they work with you guys and they figured out uh, from their customer cohorts what the typical LTV is of that of that cohort. So they know what it takes to be profitable. And if they spend more than a certain number, they're just kind of lighting money on fire for no real, real reason for those customers. And so at the top level, is your blended CAC under your threshold? If it is, you can probably spend more money. If it's too, if it's too high, you need to cut back somewhere or you need to get more efficient. And that uh, many of our fastest growing brands and founders in the 25 to $100 million a year space, that's the main thing they look at every day is they just say, what was my trailing seven day or 14 day CAC? Is it good? Push? Is it bad? We need to pull back. That that can be enough for many brands. When you get the bottoms up approach though is, okay, well, I need to know what channel is working better for me, what creative is working better for me, what audience is working better for me, what have you in acquisition. And so we try to create these models or coefficients. So you might say, for example, let's just use Google Analytics. Google Analytics, we know has a bias towards click-heavy channels. It's always going to de-emphasize, I mean, extreme example, you can't get out of home uh, attribution in Google Analytics, right? So it's, it's going to show up as zero every time, but just keeping it digital for a second. If you're watching a CTV ad on Hulu, it's almost impossible to get that tied back into Google Analytics without some sort of trickery on an MTA or something like that, right? But something like branded search is going to be very clickable. And so somebody might see the ad on TV, they go to their phone, they search for your brand name, they click on the brand search ad, and Google Analytics is going to give credit to brand search, but it was really CTV is what drove that component. So we developed these coefficients through experimentation and incrementality measurement that overemphasize or underemphasize what GA or whatever tool they're using spits out. So to continue that example, brand search might say that the uh, CAC is $10 attributed to brand search, but we are going to give it a 10x coefficient, which means that it's actually only one out of 10 of those customers that brand search is claiming credit for is actually an incremental customer, which means it's effective incremental CAC 
is $100 rather than $10. And so we do that same process across all these different channels and creatives and so on and so forth. And that allows us to tell the media buyers in a day-by-day basis, how do I, what levers and knobs do I need to pull in order to optimize my program? And brand, it's, and brand search is, is such a great example, you know, because the question to ask isn't, are people clicking on my ad and buying my product from my brand search keyword? The question to ask is if I, again, think about contribution, if I didn't spend you know, mega dollars on my branded search campaigns, would people still find my brand? You know, and that's where the multiplier comes because look, if someone's officially motivated, you know, they'll skip over all your competitors and go down your organic results. You know, if you're not placing organically for your brand search, you have much bigger problems. <laughs> but assuming you are, that's the question to ask. You know, and if you look at at, at brand search from an attribution perspective, you know, I always joke it's the workhorse for every single paid marketing agency. You know, because it's it's free attribution. Of course, it's going to work. Before you started work with them, people would you know search for your brand and click for free. You know, and now it's all getting paid through your ad dollars. And of course, it's working because you know people navigate to your site all the time and buy your product. Yeah, but the question asked here, and this is where things get complex and where these you know, conversion multiples come into play and where you know, experts like Power Digital and you know, Ben, your, your expertise you know, you know, really are a lifeline for many, for many folks is, is putting together frameworks on how to reason about this. Yeah, because, I mean, look, I'm, you know, I'm a math guy by trade. And you know, when I started to work with our marketing team, you know, I did some Googling and did some modeling and some research. And you know, I came up with a similar multiple, multiplier for our business, which was like, I think it was five or six X making some relatively conservative assumptions. You know, when you back that out and compare that to other you know, ways of, of, of ad spend that I was confident was working, you know, suddenly this number becomes tremendously expensive. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing to, to call back to identifying opportunities and identifying waste, right? And so we see a lot of, chi- a lot of times the more upper funnel a program is, the more incremental it is. And the more low funnel a program is, the more quick performance you're going to get, but it's more really reliant on attribution and demand capture. And so the extreme example of that is branded search and maybe TV or out of home, right? Those are kind of the two extremes. And many brands aren't yet ready to play in the radio, TV, out of home space. And that's fine because they can achieve similar results with digital channels for a more modest investment. And we're seeing great success there. I'll give you an example, like with TikTok right now, which I know is all the all the buzz around if it's going to be banned or not. Uh, I'm in the camp that it won't be banned, but uh, we'll see. And so for TikTok, you know, it is terrible from an attribution standpoint for 90% of clients who use it. But we see time and time again, it actually drives really great incremental ROI for businesses because people are super plugged in. They trust the TikTok algorithm. They love the content. They watch the ad. If the ad creative is set up correctly, they then go to search or they then go to Amazon or what have you to their buying modal uh, of choice and they buy your product. And so when we when we do those analyses, we see time and time again that channels like TikTok or CTV, though they have terrible attribution, if I was to judge them off of GA, they would be an instant cut in my media yep. plan. They're actually driving a plurality or even a majority of the real incremental new customers uh, driven to the site. Yep. I've said this before on the, the podcast many times, and I yeah, it's sort of one of my mantras that I talk to you know, anyone in marketing about, you know, but it's always critical to remember that Google you know, actually acquired and now maintains Google Analytics for the primary reason of 
selling search keywords. You know, so it's incredibly biased. And Google has built an amazing business by you know training everyone around the attribution models that make Google successful. You know, it doesn't mean that Google doesn't work, but it does mean that the analytics that Google you know, NOAs provides are really purpose-built, uh, you know, to do a single thing at the end of the day. So Ben, you know, we're sort of approaching the bottom of the show here. Bonus question for you. If you were to have this conversation again, you know, around measurement, around attribution, around, you know, ostensibly the intersection of demand generation and brand building, you know, who would you have it with and why? Yeah, great question. I, you know, I was thinking about this and I came prepared actually, because I want Trey Lockerbie, the CEO of Better Booch, my favorite brand of kombucha, which I have right here, to reach out to me and let's let's talk about it. It's a kombucha. It's delicious. The reason why is because I'm probably your number one biggest fan. I go through easily a 12-pack of those a week. So you do the math. And I bet that if we could get you some more brand awareness outside of the Southern California area, you guys would crush it because your product is amazing. So come and talk to me and uh, I'll definitely help you out. That is fantastic. Uh, and I'm drinking LaCroix here. I don't think they need any problem with distribution, <laughs> nope. you know, nope. as the uh, official, unofficially named work beer. Uh, right. <laughs> yes. Well, let's make it better, Booch. I'm going to push for that. Ben, thank you for coming on the show today uh, and sharing your wisdom with us. You're really recapping you know, our conversation. As I said before, it's about brand building and proper brand building. Uh, understands the customer, understands the life cycle, understands the journey, knows where to buy Google keywords and where to have meta you know, Facebook ads that are, have incredibly you know, strong call to actions, but also thinks about you know, the rest of the awareness, education, and, and every other, the, the broader marketing program uh, in totality. You know, and I think it's, it's incredibly, incredibly hard you know, in this macro you know, for folks in, in marketing roles, especially folks in CMO roles to really you know, you know, figure out how to allocate their budgets. You know, and it's this, you know, really is juggling, you know, this juggling challenge between, you know, doubling down on the things that show obvious ROI, you know, and making the right bets around things that are upper funnel and required for long-term sustainability and longevity. You know, and I think, you know, the methods we talked about here, you know, are, are areas that I think, you know, most folks are, are, are not either, are either not doing it all or not doing well. Yeah, when understanding this is, you know, you definitely requires leveling up your analytics and measurement uh, and attribution game. But, you know, from my perspective, I think it's more more critical than ever that, you know, everyone at least you know, tries to take that step uh, and thinking holistically from a measurement perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it's, there's a an unearned mystique around it, because I think in the, the olden days, a lot of consultancies and very expensive folks would make it sound a lot harder and more complicated than it is. And it's become quite democratized and and a lot easier to to accomplish now. And there's a lot of good resources online, but always happy to share my experiences and talk with anyone about how they can do it for their own business. Great. Uh, and with that, Ben, for anyone of our listeners who want to learn more about uh, Power Digital, anyone who wants to you know, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, I'm very easy to find. I'm I'm the only Ben Dutter in the world. SEO is great. You can email me if you want, Ben at PowerDigital.com or just search up Power Digital. We're on all the places you'd expect us to find. And yeah, I would love to chat. And that's quite the claim. And I am not the only Jason Davis in the world. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with that, thank you to everyone listening to this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at SimonData.com or email us at hello at SimonData. You've been listening to The Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.